Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. On this episode, uh, I'm joined by Stephen from my podcast. How are you getting on, Stephen? How's it going? Yeah, good to be here. And I'm joined by Tom from the Back of the Net podcast. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, well, good, thanks. Yeah, cheers for having me on, guys. No, no worries, no worries. So we've got you on uh, because... You are a host or you're a contributor to a Bournemouth fans podcast and we thought it'd be good to get someone on as a Bournemouth fan who's got a bit more of experience uh, supporting a team managed by Eddie Howe than we do. Give us a potted history of Eddie Howe at Bournemouth because from our perspective, he's a bit of a Bournemouth legend, isn't he? Yeah, massive legend. Probably the biggest legend, in fact. Um, started with us as a player, um, grew up down here and stuff like that. He was a really good player, actually, um, centre-half. Um, you know, was captain a few times as well. So, yeah, we loved him as a player. Harry Redknapp, who was a legend here as well, took him to Portsmouth, which was difficult for us at the time with money and stuff like that. We we had to accept it. Sadly for him, he, he had some really bad injuries. He had to retire in his 20s, I think. Mm. Um, so, yeah, when Portsmouth from the Premier League, so he didn't quite get to fulfil his potential as a player. So, yeah, he kind of started working with us, kind of with the, the academy and things like that and getting into his coaching through that. So as a fan, you don't you know he's there, but you don't really know too much about it because he's with the academy. And we've had a lot of problems uh, financially, went into administration. And I think he was seen as just the cheap option um, at a time mm. where we had uh, minus 17 points in uh, League Two. And um, we brought him in just, just for someone that's in and around the place, you know, knows the place like the back of his hand. And he's already at the club and we'll just get him in and see how he does. And somehow miraculously kept us up. And then following season, transfer embargo, promotion and we're thinking blimmin it we've found someone here and um <laughs> and then sadly because we then were doing really well in league one as well Burnley come in nicked him um we had no money at the time so it's what it is and then yeah it was doing okay at Burnley I think um he kind of went in there to steady the ship um what I believe that that he had to sell some of his best players there and they were kind of mid-table championship and we got a bit of investment from a from a Russian owner and suddenly we were in a position we've never been in before where we had some money. Mm. So we, you know, went for Eddie again and said, actually, look, it's a bit better now. Fancy coming back. And he did. And we were in the relegation zone of League One. He come back and we won. The, we come second in the league, got promoted. It was just like, it's all it's all fairy tale stuff because you just, every time he just succeeded. Suddenly we're in the championship where I'm 30 this year. I've never seen us in the championship. 
Mm-hmm. We're in there and you think, God, if we can stay as a championship club, this is amazing. Done well in the first season, finished 10th, all good. Following season, win the league. And you're thinking, this is unbelievable. <laughs> I, I genuinely would have said, I think most football fans have said, more chance of winning the lottery than ever seeing us in the Premier League. Unbelievable. Shrewd business and just a real team spirit that he developed there was just amazing. And it was an unbelievable time to be a Bournemouth fan. And then we thought, you know, we'll go to the Premier League for a season, have a laugh, and we were there for five. So... <laughs> It's all amazing. It's really nice to reminisce because we're not now. We kind of feel like we're on a bit of a, a downward. Where for the last decade, it's been unbelievable being a Bournemouth fan. But um, no Bournemouth fan can speak highly enough of Eddie Howe. Trust me. And I think just saying that there, if, if it was a movie, everyone would have said it was far fetched. Mm. Our rise, it's it's incredible. And ninety percent of it is down to Eddie Howe. On that first spell when he came through, obviously, as you said, they had the transfer embargo and things like that. How did he cobble a team together? Because if you can't bring any players in, you don't have any budget. Was it mostly youth players that he brought through? Was it guys he signed on a budget? How did he work within those constraints? Yeah, he was amazing at that in the sense that it probably helped that he had worked with the academy and things like that and was good with the, with the younger group. But one of the first things he did was one of our, our record appearance holders, Steve Fletcher, um, who had been released a few seasons earlier because he was nearly 40. And he was playing in Craw- uh, for Crawley, who were in the uh, conference at the time. And we were obviously in League Two. And we just, Eddie just rang him up. I think they used to like roommate together when they were players at the time. And because he was a legend of the football club, Eddie was quite clever. Thought this will bring the, you know, the fan base to be happy if we can bring a legend back. And just brought him in. And Eddie's known for really attractive, good football. Mm. But he will be the first one to say, yeah, but when we were at the bottom of League Two, I brought Steve Fletcher in, who's six foot. God, I just loved the ball up the win because <laughs> that's what you needed at the time. And in League Two, we weren't a team to play pretty football. So yeah, that was the first thing he did was bring Fletch back. And that, that was a really, you know, really shrewd bit of business from him. Just brought him back in um, for nothing because he was playing on league. And then it was getting the best out that we knew we had a group that were good enough to stay up. Mm. But I think when you get hit with like minus 17 and, you know, you start losing a few games and it just wasn't, you know, the, the feel good factor was gone. Some of the players weren't getting their wages and Eddie just seemed to come in and, and build this kind of this bond and this connection with the players. And he just got the best out of a, a, a good group that weren't performing. Um, and like with anything, you you know, you get the fans on side and you start winning a few games and suddenly you just start building for them. And he kind of bought this um, philosophy of kind of, you know, the world's against us. We've got minus, minus points. You're not getting your wages. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's us against the world kind of feeling. And that seems to take us through all the way up. And like I say, when we we're in the championship, things like that. We were the little boys in the championship and that, that kind of played into our favour again and I think we'll probably touch on it but that then went away. Once you're five seasons in the Premier League, you lose that because mm. there's a level of expectation. But before then, we were always against expectation and Eddie loved that. I think it's a really interesting perspective for us to get, for listeners to this podcast to get as well because I think maybe in Scotland we're sometimes guilty of looking just at the Premiership or the Premier League in England and looking down from that perspective. So we really think that Anyone who's relegated from the Premier League is deemed as like a failure, regardless of context. But to hear the journey that that took, and to hear you say, and to hear the kind of gratitude towards Eddie Howe in your in your voice for that, to hear you say that you would never even expected to get into the Championship, never mind the Premier League, and even to sustain that for a number of seasons, is probably quite useful for some Celtic fans to hear. Because uh, yeah, it's sometimes hard to fully contextualise. We just. Or we don't. We try to look at a wee bit more objectively, but sometimes people are guilty of just saying, "Well, oh, well, everyone's got loads of money in England, so it doesn't really matter." So, so yeah, it's, if it's you get relegated, that, mate, like we've seen comments online, you know, not many, admittedly, Tom, but people going, "Do we really want a manager that's been relegated? Do we really want a manager that's 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 had failures on his CV?" But 
when when you're describing that, what what I uh, might have had a failure on his CV or failures on his CV, but the distance he took the club, mm. you know what I mean, yeah. is, is 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 almost unbelievable. Let's talk about that championship season. Let's talk about, in fact, let's just talk about your entire journey in the championship because that's fascinating to me. That first season and then the eventual promotion. Yeah, it was it was remarkable. And when, like I say, when we got there, I mean, put it this way. I mean, it wasn't long ago when Berry went out of business, didn't they? Mm. I I was used to, that's, that, as a Bournemouth fan, you're playing Berry every week. Do you know what I mean? That's <laughs> And they're out of business now, sadly. And we have just had, come out of five years in the Premier League. That's the, that's the type of job this bloke did. But yeah, when we went to the championship... I still felt because of the, the feel-good factor around the place then, and like I say, we suddenly had a bit of investment and we knew Eddie was the right man then, I felt we'd be good enough to stay in the championship. I thought we've, we've built a really good, good young, hungry squad here. Um, but coming 10th was, was amazing. To get top half was, was really, really impressive. And then we um, lost our top goal scorer, Lewis Graben. Um, he went and then you kind of thought, oh, we're just going to have to replace him now. And he found Callum Wilson from Coventry for mm-hmm. three million quid which was obviously now absolute bargain. Um, and he found out, I know he was doing well in, in League One at the time for Coventry, but he never played in the championship. So that was a good find from Eddie and the, and the staff there. But yeah, I think the following season, it was kind of, I think most Bournemouth fans would say, well, if we can do that again, mid-table, that would be, you know, we try and stabilise ourselves as a championship club would be amazing. Um, and I think kind of about Octoberish time, we were about 15th, something like that. And we were kind of looking over our shoulders a little bit and thinking, uh, we'll probably do the same as last year. And then we just went on this mad run and just couldn't stop winning games. And suddenly, every week you're thinking, are we actually going to, have we got a chance of getting in the playoffs here? It was, it was crazy. But I think um, what we had in the championship was we had a, a team, none of them had played Premier League football. Mm. And what we're certainly noticing now, where we're kind of trying to get in the playoffs in the championship, is we've got loads of players that have got Premier League experience and quality and things like that at the time we didn't and it felt like a group of players that thought they've been released by bigger clubs I think some of our best players have been like released by Charlton and things like that and they thought this is our opportunity to get into the Premier League and they were all together and it seemed like a team that Eddie had just brought together that were all fighting for each other we had a real unique way of playing Um, we were very brave um, some would say, especially in our Premier League years, you could call it naive if you're looking on a mm. negative. Mm. But Eddie knew that technically and on paper, we didn't have a team that should be at the top of the championship. But if we played in a unique and brave way, we could... We, there was a few times, I think the first season, we lost 5-1, 6-0, but then we'd go and win 4-3. It was that type of play from the back. The full-backs were playing as wingers. It was so expansive, so exciting to watch. But you didn't know if you were going to concede 5 or score 5. But... Um, it was enjoyable. And yeah, like you say, in that championship, it's one of them leagues that anyone could beat anyone. Oh, it's it's furious. It's, it's a oh, really competitive league. Yeah, it's incredible. I always think that there's 24 teams in that league. And I reckon at the start of the season, 20 probably think they could get top six if they went on a run. Yeah. Mm. So there's going to be so many missing out. And we just went on this run and the confidence was there and never thought we'd win the league. But but we done it. And we were, we were like you said earlier, I suppose, maybe a lot of your fans and stuff focus on the Premier League but anyone that saw that that championship season we were so good to watch um, and we thoroughly deserved to win that league and um, yeah it was we were still pinching ourselves I'm still am now I still can't believe how we done it but um, it was like I say 90% down to Eddie Howe What are some of the hallmarks of an Eddie, Eddie Howe football team then you talk about expansive you talk about the winger pushing on what sort of football does he like to play? Yes yeah, it's, it's very good to watch it's very open um, I'm trying to think of examples really. it's very play from the back put it this way if he signed a centre half Normally, the first thing about his centre half was he, he could play. It mm. wasn't that he's a good centre half. Do you know? You know what I mean? He was. Um, we definitely play from the back. 
the full backs were normally wing backs really you'd quite often you know if you have like an injury crisis and you haven't got a full back most managers would just put a center half there for a game he'd put a winger there that type of that <laughs> yeah. type of manager um would try and get bodies forward very brave and i think you know we'll probably come on to it but i think that the, the, the downfall was that having five years in the premier league and being a very possession-based team that try and play football i think eddie realized that because of our, you know, the finances, we can't compete with the top teams in the Premier League. So he tried to adapt, which was probably the right thing, and probably thought, I'm going to come away from it and try to be more of a counter-attacking team and be harder to break down because we can't out-possession Man City, for example. So we need to find a plan B. So in that last season, we brought in kind of more defensive-minded players to try and play on the counter-attack, and it just didn't work. We just lost our identity, and I think Eddie would probably think, I tried to do something to benefit the team, and it just didn't work. Um, because he's he's so good at just playing, you know, really intense. With the first five minutes of games, we are all over teams. He's very. I always felt that we were the the fitter teams. We were the teams that ran more miles than the other team, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know, swing that onto a negative. Sometimes it means you can be too open. Mm. We would get a lot of batterings. Um, we would get hit for six against you. You know, your big boys quite a lot. But equally, then we would go and beat Liverpool four three, which we did. <laughs> that that type of team, yeah. and I think. Going into to Celtic, we'll see. Obviously, he's had a had a bit of time out, and I'm sure he'll have. It depends on the players you've got, doesn't it, with the style you play. But you know, look at how Celtic do in the in the Scottish Prem. You'll kill some teams with with the way he plays. I'm sure of that I know you do that anyway mm. to an extent. But the interesting thing will be in Europe. Can he adapt? Because you're not gonna. That's always been a problem, I suppose, for Celtic is that yeah. suddenly you're then playing teams that you never normally face. Yeah, and you've got to suddenly play a completely different way. And I think. That's what we found difficult against the big teams in the Premier League. So that'll be interesting to see how he gets on. But it will be enjoyable to watch, definitely. Definitely um, enjoyable to watch. You actually took the words right out of my mouth there. I was going to use the European thing as an example. Mm. I was going to ask you for some standout results in the Premier League, just to kind of allay fears that Eddie Howe doesn't really know how to play against you know, the kind of bigger teams. It's, it's a lot of kind of maybe bordering on ignorance that people again we don't really focus on that kind of thing down in England as a broad fan base but you've hit upon something there Celtic have to strike an uneasy balance between having to dominate at all times in Scotland and then also having to come up against the big guns in Europe and even Brendan Rodgers struggled with that he oh, didn't I, adapt his play at all to Europe and we took some right tankings there was Barcelona took seven off as I think it was Bayern Munich there was a, a few right, right good doings we took so what, what are the how could you kind of allay those were there any real standout results you've already mentioned against Liverpool there but I think did they beat Chelsea as well there was one famous yeah, we, one I believe it'll be close. I'm pretty sure that in our five years in the Premier League, we had a better head-to-head record against Chelsea than they did us. They they would wow. call us a bogey team. We we beat them a lot. We beat them, um, I think we won at Stamford Bridge three times. Um, we had a really good record there. I don't, I don't know what it was. I think, we played, I think we actually kind of technically got Mourinho the sack. I think he got sacked after <laughs> our game. Um, and obviously they had that season where they were mid-table, didn't they, that season. And um, yeah, we just had a good record against them. But I think we beat every team apart from Man City. Really? So, oh. Yeah, so we did um, Tottenham just once, I think. We beat Arsenal a couple of times, beat Man U a couple of times. So we did have a, a decent record, but it'd always be one or the other in terms of we'll either get hit for four or we'll beat them. Do you know what I mean? Right. It was because we're not the type of team to do, say, a Burnley and sit back and, and try and nick a 1 0. And to be fair, we didn't have the players to do that. And it would be silly for Eddie to go, right, everything we I normally train you boys, we're going to go against that for a game. 
But I can appreciate that must be so hard. So I always think that you look at like the Champions League and in Europe, English teams always get far. And that's because they've got to play big games all the time because the Premier League's so competitive. And even like Germany and France and all these places, it's not like that. And I always think that's why, you know, you see Tottenham get to the final. You think, well, they're not as good as Barcelona. No. But them teams have got to change so often. So that would be really interesting. I think what it'll, what what will happen is you'll be very brave. You'll always be brave. So I think what happens with that is you surprise some of the big teams sometimes, um, hence them results against some of them big teams, because they're used to playing smaller teams and then just sitting 10 men behind the ball. And then he wouldn't do that. I think kind of coming into that last season, once you've had five years there, they almost kind of know that Eddie's going to be a bit like that. And like I say, try to adapt and things. But yeah, it was only Man City we couldn't beat, which I don't think <laughs> um, that hard. I think we, we come really close once, but most of the time they were just, as they are, too strong. But um, yeah, it will be interesting because that's something that I'll keep an eye on because that that will be something that, like I say, will he go toe-to-toe with your Barcelonas or will he try and adapt? It'll, it'll be interesting. Um, and don't get me wrong, he never went into it blindly. Sometimes he went, wrong. I'm going to change to a three at the back. But he'll say it, it'll always be to try and win the game. He'll yeah. always try and win the game. He'll always try and play on the front foot. Um, but as, as a football fan, it's much better to watch, trust me. Yeah, there are cases to be made, of course, for you know, sacrificing your principles in order to try and get a result against bigger teams, but that doesn't always work either because in that aforementioned game against Barcelona, Brendan Rodgers hadn't been here all that long. He went to a flat back five just out of nowhere, just changed things mm. to try and scrape a result against a bigger team or a better team rather, and we... we get an absolute tanking as a result so I suppose that, that there is the balance there so it's good to know that Eddie Howe is steadfast in his beliefs but maybe open to adaptation against against different teams so yeah it'll be interesting to see yeah I think the um, I think that's what what be interesting is Eddie always had a style and the one time he went away from it and I could see why we got relegated so right. that, that will be in his head so and I totally get it you can imagine you're, you've been in the Premier League for four seasons but you're not, and you, you want to go to that next level once you've been there four seasons. And we, we finished 10th one season, which was unbelievable. But most of the time, we were kind of in that scrap, but always OK. And I think Eddie just thought, right, now's the time to try and change something to see if we can suddenly be like a team competing for Europe, for example. So he tried to tweak a few things and be, let's not be all about possession. Let's try and catch teams on the counter. And we got relegated because he, he went away from it. But you could see why hmm. he tried to change things to try and take us to that next step. And it didn't quite work. And I think in a weird way, Eddie would have learnt from that more than his, his style always working. So mm. I think that'll be that'll be good because he'll he'll probably look at that, in my opinion, and think rather than try and change everything over a summer, try and make plan A better. Mm. And um, I think that would have done him the world of good. And I think what he's done is he's, I think, which is a compliment to, to you guys, is that he's sat back and not rushed into getting a job. He's thinking, I'm waiting for the right thing for me. Mm and the right kind of project. And Eddie Howe is not the type of manager that will go somewhere short term. He will want to go there and say, this is the type of job, I want to build something. Um, which is why he came back here when we suddenly got finances. I don't think... And why he went to Burnley in the first place was because they were in financial problems and he was going to be the start of a project. Mm. And um, so that's I think that's why I think if he gets the job, I think Celtic will say, we're going to give you a few years to see if we think you're you know, building something long term. So definitely patience, but... Put it this way: If if you get if Eddie Howe goes to Celtic, you'll you'll get the league again. You'll get the league straight back, in my opinion. I'll be I'll be shocked if you don't. He's uh, no nothing about me thinks you can't go and win the league now. And 
Every board to say how much we think of him, every Bournemouth fan second team will now be Celtic, and I've got no affiliation <laughs> to Celtic. But um, now I'll be getting a Celtic shirt. <laughs> people will hold us to this now. People will hold this against us all season now that well, yeah. those guys said we're going to win the league. So no, no, I'm confident. Trust me. Yeah. Um, obviously, there is a project to be had at Celtic. You know, a lot of players are coming to the end of their contract. A lot of players, Celtic, do the buy and sell model, the buy, develop and sell model. So we've got a number of first team players who are we presume are probably going to get sold at the end of this season as well even looking back to the most recent Rangers game you, you could probably say that eight of the players that started that Rangers game are not going to be here next season so there is a, a rebuilding job um, and the press up here reporting that Eddie Howe has met with Dermot Desmond Celtic's principal shareholder and one of the things that came up was he needed assurances about how much money he's going to get to spend because he knows there's a job on his hands here Eddie Howe strikes me as a manager who, though, ironically enough, seems to work better with the smaller budget somewhat. You know, uh, you're looking at well, Celtic fans. He brought in Arthur Boric, Sylvain Diston, these guys, Adam Federici, Joshua King. These guys were all free transfer, wasn't they? Ryan Fraser from Aberdeen he got for something like half a million quid. But then when he went up to the Premier League and started spending a bit of money on players like Jordan Ibe, a player that Celtic had been linked with, um, yeah, Dominic Solanke as well, I suppose, another player that Celtic were linked with. The sort of top end, bigger end, major spend went against them. Where do you think Eddie Howe's skills lie in the transfer market? Yeah, I think I, I probably agree with you. I think the the issue maybe is he was, as I as I mentioned, he kind of had a group that none of them had experienced like the top level and they'd all been kind of released by big clubs. And he, he bought that mentality of, of getting the best out of players that on paper shouldn't have been, they were punching above their weight. I think the problem is he's then got people like Distan and um, even though he was a free transfer, he's kind of a name. And then we got, like you say, spent money on people like Jordan Knight and things like that. And I think what he struggled with was then trying to teach them to play away. And they're thinking, but I've been in the game for ages. Why are you? I know Distan publicly come out and, and said that Eddie was telling me to do things that I'd never done before. And I thought, I'm in my mid-30s. Mm. I don't need to learn new things. And I think Eddie struggled with that kind of then... I don't want to say egos because there's nothing against the, the players themselves, but they don't want to learn something new because they think, well, who are you to tell me what to do? I've been playing at the top level. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how he does because I think he's he's someone that likes getting players in when they're young and developing them to um, almost like when you get someone in that's never played at the top level, you think, well, you listen to me and I'll make you a top level player. And they listen. I think when he was getting players in that had already played there, they were kind mm. of saying, I know how to do it. I'm not going to... And I think that was an issue for him. So... He'll certainly look to get younger players and develop them. I'd be I'd be surprised if he didn't. It'll all be about the character. It'll be he'll be getting players in that have got the right mentality and right character because he he struggled um, with players that have kind of uh, yeah distant. I know Lee Tomlin he struggled with Jordan Ibe and they're players that they've always been seen as kind of a bit trouble players. Maybe mm. struggled to get the best out of them. But um, having said that, we bought I think our record transfer at the time was Nathan Ake. We bought him in and we doubled our money on him to Man City and. Hasn't really happened for him, Man City, but he's probably the best player I've ever seen in the Bournemouth shirt. And no one really knew him when Eddie bought him in. And he was top class. And little things like Arthur Boric had a free transfer when we were kind of, Celtic like I say, mid-table. And, he, and we won the league. He was a mm. massive... I know you guys love him and we absolutely love yeah. him. What a guy. Um, easy to love, isn't he? But um, I, know, I think he got in trouble for one game going to a, a Rangers game in the league at a Warsaw end. <laughs> Um, that's right I, I think yeah. I remember that I see the pictures for Ed, that, yeah. Eddie got in trouble he was supposed to be training and he went and supported Warsaw against Rangers <laughs> and he was in the end for legend but um, yeah he's a top guy but yeah I think he'll he'll bring in younger players he'll bring in hungry players 
Um, and he'll try and get a he'll, he'll try and get a real unique style about him. But I'm not sure too. Much. I know like Scott Brown's leaving anyway, isn't he? And yeah, um, yeah. I don't know about some of the maybe aging players, but I, I could see some of the aging players maybe let go, and the high wage players potentially. But I think if you've got any exciting young players, he'll try and build the team around them. Um, and he'll try and he'll try and get kind of a t- he predominantly likes to play with two up top and things like that. So I think he'll he'll keep some of the young players and you'll see them kick on. But with some of the older players, I think he'll have to have a chat with them and think, are they for me or are they just kind of at the end of their career hoping for a paycheck? And if so, mm. he'll try and maybe get them out the door. The transfers thing is massively important because that's another thing that's going to be seized upon by probably the media here is that yeah. people only really see the fees. People will say, well, like Dominic Solanke, £19 million, which is well beyond anything that Celtic can possibly spend. Our record transfer is £9 million for odds on Edward. So people see that and think, well, how is he going to manage a club like Celtic if he's spending that kind of money and, and buying so-called flops? But I think, once again, the, the key thing here is context because you're playing in a league there where you can spend £20 million, but that is a base level. That, for us, is probably £2 million. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a base level transfer. Hardly anyone of note transfers for any less than that in the English Premier League. Now, you're talking about a league where 40 45 £50 million is sort of an extravagant buy but not even that you're probably that's towards the top end but 20 million is almost nothing so in essence 20 million is kind of a not a punt it's not like a speculative transfer but it's nowhere near as flashy as it seems to someone in Scotland who are used to three four million pounds being the kind of top end of what we can spend on a player look at it the other way as well and kind of say that when he did have kind of a budget and stuff, he was unbelievable. I mean, Callum Wilson, three million quid. Um, and the only players I could think of off the top of my head that were kind of 20 million plus, like you say, Solanke was virtually on that. And yeah, he didn't, he come in and he was kind of back up to Callum Wilson and it didn't work out. But he's our top goal scorer this season. If we get promoted, it'll mm. be thanks to Dom Solanke's goals. And he's very young. Um, and then you kind of go, Nathan Ake was over 20 million. We doubled our money on him mm. straight away. And then it was Jefferson Lerma, who we got from Spain, who's our best player probably. So really, they're not as big. I, I think people look at it, don't they, short term and think, oh, flop. The only real sign I'd say was a real flop was Jordan Ibe. And I feel for him, he's come out and kind of had some personal issues and stuff. Yeah. But mm-hmm. he's kind of been someone that since Liverpool has been a flop everywhere. So it, he just seemed, he seems like almost a one-off. Apart from that, the players that he's brought in, you know, Stanislas is still with us. He was nothing. Josh King was a free transfer. I mean, you know, these signings were unbelievable. And... um Callum Wilson's a really good good example. Three million quid, and he's, you know, he's Newcastle's only hope to stay in the league. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I don't see him as it will be interesting to see what he does in in the transfer market, and I hope he don't nick too many of ours. But um, yeah, he he will just get players in that he can trust. That'll be his that'll be his go to. Well, that was one of my questions. That Eddie, are there any players that um, Eddie's taken from job to job? I know he's only had two or three jobs. But was there any players he's brought with him everywhere? No, there was one that went kind of in between, which was Danny Ings. Didn't mm. get him straight from us. He come through the kind of ranks at Bournemouth um, as a youth lad, and and then played with Eddie. But then he he went somewhere in between. But then he got him back at um, Burnley, and then we tried to get Charlie Austin is from from our way, mm. and we tried to sign him, but because of the transfer embargo, we weren't allowed. But when he went to Burnley, he went and got him in. So he had kind of Austin and Ings up front, who were were Bournemouth lads, but mm-hmm. they weren't directly from us. Um, but yeah, I, I think there will be a few he might look at. But having said that, I think what kind of happened at the end at Bournemouth was all the players that he could trust were kind of coming to the end of their careers. And it was a new team. And then we got relegated and he left. So there's not that many left. Like you, like you mentioned, Arta Boric is now no longer with us. 
Um, his captain was Simon Francis and Tommy Elphick, Matt Ritchie, people like that. They all kind of left. Um, Callum Wilson, they all left. So there'd only really be our skipper now, Steve Cook. It would probably be pretty good. But he's he's coming to like 30 now. So I don't think it will be like he'll look at Bournemouth and bring in loads of players back, to be honest with you. Um, if Newcastle got relegated, be interesting if they could afford a Callum Wilson. But um, yeah, like I say, it'll all depend on the budget and things like that. It's always a real weird one with Celtic, isn't it? Because you think Celtic's such a massive football club, but then you think that it's weird for me thinking they couldn't afford like a Solanke. That's just mental yeah. to me. Yeah, um, I mean, we've, we've been linked with Jordan Ibe the past two windows. The most recent window there, we were heavily linked with Jordan Ibe and everyone's looking at it going, God, that's a massive outlay. That's a, you know, he would be a, a marquee signing for Celtic if we were to bring someone in like Jordan Ibe. I mean, look at Scott Sinclair. We brought in Scott Sinclair from, oh God, I've totally forgotten. We brought him in Villa, from Stephen. Aston Villa. Villa, yeah. Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? We brought him in for Villa and he was an absolute hero here. <laughs> but it was, at the end of the day, in terms of the Premier League, it's just Scott Sinclair for Aston Villa. You know? <laughs> yeah, he's a Preston now, isn't he? He's yeah, a Preston. He's Preston huh? Yeah, but I think Scott Sinclair was someone actually funny that we were linked with for a bit when we had Eddie. So um, might try and get him back, who knows? But yeah, I, I, it will be really, really interesting to see because it's, like I say, it's so confusing because you think, oh, Celtic could buy so many better players than Bournemouth could. And then you think, no, they can't. It's, it's really bizarre. But um, Jordan and I, I'd be surprised because it didn't work it didn't work with him here. Mm. You can look at it on one hand and go, Eddie, Eddie signed him, so he likes him. But Eddie also let him go and, yeah, didn't really... He gave him a lot of opportunities. But when we had big games, stuff like that, he never relied on Jordan Ibe. It just didn't work for him. And I think he's in the Derby reserves now, not really playing. And like I say, he did come out that he's got a lot of personal issues. So it would surprise me. But, yeah, like you say, you guys have been linked with him before. But I would be really interested to see what they did in the market. But... I think it will be a lot of young players that you'd have to give a season mm-hmm. to kind of settle in. And then he'll, like I've mentioned already, players that you didn't really know. And then within a year under Eddie Howe, you'll know about them. Do you know what I mean? He'll really develop them well. So um, that'd be interesting. I think uh, kind of a, a thought that I had was Josh King has, um, we basically had, he was out of contact then the season. So he's gone to Everton virtually for nothing um, on deadline day, but only on uh, until the end of the season. Mm. And Everton have said that they're not going to keep him. So he'll be a free agent in the summer by the looks of it. Um, unless we oh, we, we ain't going to get him back. He would be a free transfer. Uh, that could be There could be something in that. He was unbelievable under Eddie Howe. And don't get me wrong, he's a player that, in my opinion, could do a good job for a team like Everton, personally. But I suppose with Calvert-Lewin's form and things like that, he could be, he'd be an absolute powerhouse in the Scottish Premier League. Yeah. He was unbelievable under Eddie Howe. And he was he nobody was before Eddie Howe, Boyman. Linked with Man United, I think he started his career there, or was yeah. there at some point? Yeah, he, does, he was recently yeah. linked with them. But the the thing with this, and just to talk about the transfers thing again, and the kind of weird perception that you know, we're a huge club, obviously, but salary wages is a huge problem mm-hmm. because if the average wage in the English Premier League is something like sixty thousand a week, our maximum is probably just over half that. We would probably push the boat out to thirty five grand a week, and that's it. So anyone who has transferred in the last couple of years is probably going to be on the kind of mid-range salary down there at the very least so that's that's another very difficult one that Eddie Howe might you know, might not have taken into full context because there was some chat around the time of Brendan Rodgers leaving his last season I don't, I don't know if you've been aware of this but his last season was fraught with difficulty between him and the club the board above him there was a lot of transfer difficulty and it, it was maybe it was rumoured that they just weren't willing to get him the players anymore the players that he felt could take Celtic to the next level 
the board had to just draw a line and say, we can't afford those guys. This is our budget and we kind of have to stick to it. So it's another thing that maybe people not so much worry about, but it's something in the back of the head. Can anyone coming from England truly deal with the, the restrictions that Scotland brings? Yeah, I don't never. You always think of transfer fees and you forget about the wage side yeah, of it. Do you know what I mean? You think that's going to be really difficult because, I mean, put it this way: when Eddie Howe come in as the Bournemouth manager, and like I, I mentioned earlier, a few of the they had to take pay cuts, things like that. A few of the players weren't paid for a period of time because of the financial difficulties. I think our highest paid player was on eight hundred quid a week mm-hmm. when Eddie come in. We just had our accounts released in the Championship, and our average wage is fifty-two grand in the Championship. Yeah. So the contrast in the football club is unbelievable, and. And Eddie's had to deal with all of that. He's come into a football club where their average age is, uh, average wage, sorry, is a few hundred pound a week to leave in them, and it's fifty grand. He's seen it all. So in that, to spin it on that, he has seen it all, and that will be. Yeah. So in that sense, he's had to deal with both, which which will be good for Celtic, I think. But equally, I mean, yeah, it's it's really strange because I mentioned Josh King there, and then think actually he must be on over fifty grand a week. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's really interesting, but. To be honest, I look at him and think Eddie Howe has dealt with it all. He knows what it's like to be under into administration at the bottom of the of the football pyramid, and he also knows what it's like to be at the top. So that that's a good thing in my opinion. He's he's dealt with all of it. So and he'll know if if he's got the job and if he takes the job, then he's obviously saying that when he's when he spoke with the owners and stuff at Celtic that that he thinks he can work on that. So work with him whatever they tell him to. So um, it'll be interesting because I think a lot of there's been reports that he turned down Sheffield United, that they approached him. Sheffield United, even, you know, they're going to get relegated. But mm. parachute payments, you know, like I just mm. said then, Bournemouth from 50 grand average wage a week. He'd have been told he can bring in bigger players on bigger wages at Sheffield United than he would at Celtic. There'll be a reason why he would want the Celtic job over the Sheffield United job, and it ain't money. So I think it's because of this project that we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And I think he sees more excitement in that. So... I think if Eddie were to take the Celtic job, you look at that and think, well, he's obviously happy to work on more of a budget because he believes in the project. So I think that's a really good sign. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk about squad profile. We've already said he likes the centre-halves to play from the back. He said he likes to play two up front. What sort of profile should Celtic fans expect to see if he copies his style from Bournemouth? Attacking fullbacks, playing out from the back, what sort of midfielders does he like to play in? What's the striker pairing usually look like? Is it big man, small man, or is it false nine? Well, how does he run that? Yeah, I think he, he normally, I mean, like I say, on paper, it's normally down as a four four two, but I think he would probably say it's more of a four four one one. He likes kind of a number 10 type of player in behind, normally a pacey striker, Callum Wilson, Josh King. Um, but he likes having a player in and around him, so... Near the end, we went more of a midfielder and we had kind of Jack Wilshere came in for a bit. Junior Stanislas played in that role a little bit. But even with Josh King, who was, who's really a number nine, he played him as a number 10 in behind Callum Wilson because he, he likes someone to pick up them pockets in and around a striker. But like I say, the fullbacks, he loves your fullbacks to bomb on. Um, I, I never would see him kind of play a, a, a fullback that could play centre-half. Mm. He didn't like doing that. He liked his fullbacks to, to give him that width. Um, and then, then would play with the wide men as kind of inverted. So uh, probably our best wingers kind of that got promoted were Matt Ritchie and Mark Pugh. Ritchie was left-footed off the right. Mark Pugh was right-footed off the left. He'd mm. like kind of his wide midfielders to be able to come in and kind of make the pitch narrow and then allow your full-backs to bomb on. And then he'd kind of have your two centre-halves and then have one of the midfielders that would then sit a little bit. So when you've got the ball, you'd kind of have one of the midfielders sat to virtually make it a three because your full-backs would be so far up. Um, so it's always expansive and, and good to watch. And like I say, try to adapt that. But because we never really had a defensive midfield player because he always wanted his two centre midfield players to be able to play. So it'd be more of a deep lying kind of playmaker. And Bournemouth fans always felt that we probably needed someone a little bit, bit nastier in midfield mm-hmm. um, because we always felt like, you know, Jack Wilshire would come in and we'd play with like Jack Wilshire and Lewis Cook as a two. And it was nice on the ball, but you'd feel like sometimes you'd get overpowered a little bit. Um, so he'd, he'd often adapt to bringing in like a Dan Goslin, that sort of character, to make it yeah. an extra bit of grit in there. But um, yeah, I think he'll, they'll always be good footballers. They'll know how to play. Um, it'll just be off the ball stuff that he'll, he'll work on. Uh, like I say, they'll always have energy. They'll always, always like to fight. But sometimes I probably felt that we just got caught a little bit on the counter. That was probably, if I'm trying to think of, of what pundits and stuff would say about Bournemouth mm. it would be that oh they're blimming good on the ball but god do they get caught it's probably a little bit Bournemouth fans get frustrated at the moment of how Leeds get so much praise <laughs> right. with Bielsa because his name is Marcelo Bielsa but they get so much praise and we and I look at Leeds and think that's exactly how we played mm. yeah. exa- it's a cardboard copy we were just so full-on you know and expressive but we just get caught and we'd probably struggle with set pieces things like that but I say these are all things that, that Eddie would have learned on as well. So um, he will still be a manager that I think will look at the players he's got at his disposal first. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting, but it'll always be good to watch, definitely. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting how he adapts. 
I like the sound of the fullbacks thing because that is well, it's increasingly important football wide. The fullbacks have become more and more prominent. The the longer, you know, the the more football evolves. It's very Celtic though. It is you know, very Celtic for to have fullbacks bombing on and being very attacking. In recent seasons, we've had Kieran Tierney. Very recently, we had Jeremy Frimpong. All very attack minded. The problem is at the moment we don't really have any. We don't have many players who can a play like that. We've got a couple. We've got Diego Lax out on loan from AC Milan. We've got John Joe Kenny on loan from Everton, but I don't see either of those being taken on full time as of next season. So we don't really have an awful lot of fullbacks. That could be viewed as a negative, but I actually see it as a quite a good opportunity. If Eddie Howe is a very fullback oriented coach then I, th- I think that's a good thing to just clear the decks and bring in the guys he wants to play with. I- I'm actually quite encouraged by, by the sound of this fullback stuff, yeah. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting what he does with, um, you mentioned Laxalt, was that his name? Yeah, yeah. Um, is he the Uruguayan, yeah? He is, yeah, with, with the cornrows. Yeah, that, that's Yeah, him. so basically when we were when we got promoted to the Premier League, he we needed a left-back um, a few seasons ago and it was out of two. We had Diego Rico, who we've got now from Spain, but it was between Rico and Laxalt. They were oh, really? two players Eddie Howe was looking at. So Eddie Howe was obviously back then, don't know if he would be now. I know we scouted Lax out and um, he ended up, you know, going to you guys in the end. So if that's a player Eddie likes, he might get the best out of him, I don't know. But that was definitely someone Eddie Howe had on his radar at Bournemouth, Lax out. So that'd be interesting. But yeah, I think the fullbacks thing is is a massive thing. Put it this way, everyone sees Ryan Fraser now, who we don't like, by the way. Um, <laughs> no. But every, everyone sees him now as you'd see him as a player. Obviously, you, I'm sure you know him for Scotland and I'm sure he's a player that more plays in a front three off the wing. We saw him at wing back a lot <laughs> because mm. that's Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe would... Oh, Ryan Fraser played right back for us a fair amount of times. Um, and I think most people would look at him as a very offensive player. That's, that's, that's an easy one. way of saying that's what Eddie Howe's like. Right. Um, he would play Fraser as a wing back a lot. Um, but yeah, he's that's type of type of... I'll tell you what, Ryan Fraser, that's why Bournemouth fans don't like Ryan Fraser. Because of the, he kind of, I say, he Go refused to play for us yeah. um, behind closed doors. And for Eddie Howe, and we just felt felt that was really harsh on Eddie because he, as you mentioned earlier, took him from Aberdeen when no one really knew who he was, particularly mm. in England, mm. and made him, he had one good season, but he was up there with Eden Hazard on all the statistics. Eddie Howe made him who he was. We sent him out on loan to Ipswich in our first Premier League season. Eddie really nurtured this lad who we never thought was going to make it, to be honest. And then when the going got tough, he kind of down tall. So, um, yeah, that's one of them ones that's really bitter for Bournemouth fans. But he made Ryan Fraser. So um, the type of manager he is, he brought someone in from Scotland who was really raw, looked mm. too lightweight, and built him up and made him a real threat in the Premier League. So, um, But, yeah, because of the way it ended, I'm not sure he's someone that, that Eddie would go back to, but who knows. Let's talk about dressing room dynamic. Eddie Howe, I'd consider he's a he's a very modern coach. He's an on-the-grass coach. He likes to be on the training field. We've all seen the video of him being mic'd up. I've seen interviews with him where he, he, he's sort of reflected on his own career and he says he really strives for success because as a player, he never got that success. So he's desperate for it as a manager. I've also seen interviews with him where he's talking about how he doesn't really tolerate a lack of professionalism in the squad. So what is his dressing room dynamic like? Because at Celtic, when we had Neil Lennon, we had his backroom staff of um, John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan. And they were seen as a sort of technicians. John Kennedy is a very, very highly regarded coach. He was Neil Lennon's assistant manager here. And Neil Lennon was seen as more of a motivator, more as the guy that gets the players up, puts an arm around them or shouts at them, motivates them, whereas all the technical stuff was left to the backroom staff. 
How does Eddie Howe operate? Um, and it's also rumoured that really Eddie Howe is going to come into Celtic on his own and the, the existing coaches of Strachan and Kennedy are going to stay there. Do you think that was something that could work out for him? Yeah, I think I think that'll be the case because um, see, things I've read about kind of Kennedy in particular, that'll be someone that Eddie, Eddie I think, would like. Hmm. Um, so I think that would work quite well. But Eddie Howe is, we always say it here, the problem we've had at Bournemouth um, since he's gone is Eddie Howe ran the football club. As I, as I mentioned, because of our rise and we never expected it, we've got loads of people at the football club that haven't dealt with being in the Premier League. They're all, all the people that were still there in League Two, you know, on the boardroom. And so they don't really, and they just left everything to Eddie Howe. He ran the football mm. club. And so when he went, we decided to just let the assistant have a go at it because we didn't want to disrupt too much. And it's just been chaos this last year without Eddie mm. Howe. We always knew it would be. We all, we all said, as soon as Eddie Howe goes, we're going to go back to what we always knew. Um, sadly, but that's because he he done everything um, at the club, and I mean that's testament to the guy. But we're we're fortunate enough on our podcast we had a lot of ex players um, come on. Simon Francis, who was a club captain, Eddie you know was under Eddie for, for years, only just uh, retired when Eddie left basically, mm-hmm. and um, he was saying how it's all different now. He said when I come into the football club. Eddie Howe would take us after training, after a game, we'd go and walk, go and get a coffee and we'd all be there as a team. He wouldn't let anyone not come. He said now, he was that last season under Eddie, you've got all these players kind of coming from abroad and like I said, kind of more players that have been at this level, going to the change rooms, they're on their phones, you know, the dynamics mm-hmm. change. And Eddie struggled with that. Frano said he, he really struggled with that because he liked his players all, you know, they'd all meal together and obviously COVID really affected him because he couldn't have all these p- people in the dressing room and, you know, kind of all the injured players, he'd have them all there. Even if you're injured, you're in the changing room. You know, you're mm. there. And he wasn't allowed to with the COVID restrictions. So I think he struggled with that. But um, certainly a manager that is all on team spirit. We'd always see pre-season, they'd be, they'd be on this tour of America or something. They'd all be in paddle boats doing all these different kind of team bonding activities, mm. I suppose you'd call them. He's that type of guy. And he, he always made sure all the players would do things for charity and, and things in the community at Bournemouth. Hence why all these footballers, there's not many, you know, we've only just come out of the Premier League. You won't see many Premier League clubs getting players on their podcast. We, we get them all. We've had loads. We've had Harry Redknapp's right. come on a couple of times because that's, we're all this, always this community feel and Eddie Howe bought that. And if you went back and looked at some of the ones we've had with the legends of our club, they all just go, oh, Eddie Howe. Matt Ritchie come on and said when he left for Newcastle, and he was very open and said that I left because they trebled my wage at Newcastle. Um, and I couldn't turn that down for my family. And he had obviously just gone to Scotland as well, um, which was funny because he said he'd never been to Scotland before until his first cap, which was great. <laughs> yeah. But um, So he wanted to move closer to there as well. But he said that the first thing he did after a week of being at Newcastle, he spoke to the Bournemouth players and said, this training, he said, you never know how good you've got it until you leave Eddie Howe training. Because he said he was so meticulous on the training pitch and it was so in-depth. And he's just someone that loves football, I think. So he just lives mm. and breathes it and all these things about how he was, the, he was always the first there, the last to leave. It was, he, if he goes to a football club, it's 24 hours to him, 24 hours a day stuff. So yeah, I think um, he'll certainly be dedicated and, and things like that. And you will, you will have a good team spirit there. He always, all our success was down to good team spirit. And as soon as we, he had to develop the second team, it's when it all went out the window. Um, and like I say, Bournemouth success for the last 10 years, as soon as he's left, now we're in a we don't know what we're doing so we miss him trust me we miss him um real desperate as soon as it was april fools the other day and as soon as it was april fools everyone was quote tweeting when he left and going could this just be an april fools we love the guy 
Um, so yeah, we're just hoping he somehow, you know, down the road he comes back, but who knows. That's interesting because I was going to ask about that as well, how how it ended with him, because we've been through similar things in the past with Celtic. We've had legends who have sadly come to the end of their time and it, it's a kind of contentious issue. Very recently we've had Neil Lennon. We've had Neil Lennon who completely... Not not as a player or as a person. In terms of him carrying on as manager, he completely split the support. There was a lot of people who couldn't see past who he was because he, he's this like, huge club figure. So was there anyone who wanted rid of Eddie Howe at the end? Was there anything that begrudgingly coming to terms with, maybe it's time up? None of that at all? No, no, I wouldn't say so. Um, I think now if they went back in hindsight, I think all the board would do differently as go, we should have begged harder. Um <laughs> They, they would have they would have tried to keep him. I, I think without knowing in detail, I think what, what seems to have happened is that we've obviously got relegated and Eddie said to be able to get this group up again, I need to I need the money, I need to be able because this club's gonna go one way otherwise. Because we're a small we're a very small football club. We get ten thousand at home and um it's difficult and I just think it I think he felt that it's probably time to time to move on now. I'm losing the identity of, of what I had and I've, I've lost my group of players and it's a new group etc etc but he wasn't he wasn't told to leave no way um, the board would have they would have prayed that he had stayed um, from from fans point of view we were just all praying that he would stay this is just going to come across as propaganda there's no negatives whatsoever <laughs> I know I think that's why I'm, I'm trying to kind of because I, I appreciate that we all love him so it's really difficult and that's why I try to say that when he went to the Premier League there were the, the naivety with the way he played. So, and, you know, when you're in it, I think back, I think when we were in it, there were sometimes we probably thought, oh, come on, Eddie, sometimes you need to put a defensive midfield player in and be a bit pragmatic because we can't go toe-to-toe with City. What are you doing? Um, but I think when you come to an end of a legend, you just you think of it fondly and think how brave it was. Um, but, yeah, there were certain things. And, and like we mentioned there, I think he struggled with some of the, the bigger characters and the bigger names sometimes. Jermaine Defoe, Sylvain Distan, they never worked because they kind of were set in their ways. And um, Eddie found that difficult, I think. And it will be interesting to see what he's like at a massive football club because he's never had that. You know, we're tiny. And well, that's the question I've got then. Mm. Because I was wondering, Eddie Howe, he had a, a fantastic reputation at Bournemouth. One of the most highly thought of young coaches. But no real Premier League club at the top end of the table ever really came calling for him. And there's been a lot of churn. You know, a lot of big teams have replaced their managers. I'm looking at Chelsea, brought in Frank Lampard. Pochettino left Spurs okay they went for Mourinho but Eddie Howe's name has never really been linked really strongly with any of these big jobs that have come up there was Arsenal for a bit wasn't there I think that there was some they even, serious they ended up getting a yeah. then didn't yeah, they why, why do you think he's sort of been overlooked so many times for these big jobs I don't know I think it's uh, as much as they're different managers you could say the same for like a Sean Dyche and things like that they just mm-hmm. these bigger clubs just don't apart from Lampard which I think was a bit of an anomaly because of he's a legend at Chelsea I think they just they just don't want to take that risk, do they? Them them big big clubs, them top six, if you like. Um, I always felt that when he left us, I thought if it doesn't work for Moyes at West Ham, I could see that, and then they've just had an unbelievable season. Mm-hmm. And then I think what we all thought until Celtic come in very recently, we all felt he's just waiting for Roy Hodgson and he'll go to Crystal Palace. Yeah. That felt like the type of team that they're um, a bit of a project there where they're not a massive football club, but you feel like Palace are this type of team that just kind of don't do anything. And Eddie could be the one mm. that kind of tries to get him up to the next level and Hodgson potentially could be retiring. So um, that was what I thought. But I always felt like it would probably be a West Ham, Palace, Everton, that kind of thing. Just don't think it's been available. Um, but it's one of them things, that He never has had a, a massive football club. but And we won't know how he deals with it until he's given it 
and this looks like the opportunity and that he'll get. Um, you know, Gerard obviously, unfortunately for you guys, has done pretty well well at Rangers. So hopefully, hopefully, um, Eddie will do the same for you guys. But um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It's really, really difficult. It's really exciting to see how he gets on because I've always felt he's. You'll never. He, yeah, people will say, oh, does he deserve a massive job? He's only done it at Bournemouth. You won't know until he's given it. Mm. Um, and I think it's a really good opportunity for him. And as as I mentioned earlier, I I, I don't see how Celtic don't regain that title with Eddie Howe. If anyone's, I, I think he wins the league there. And um, I'm, I could be a meme after this, but I'm that confident. <laughs> I'm that confident, mate. Honestly, I, even now, I know that Rangers have had that season, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but when you watch the two come up against each other. There's not really a lot in it. It's just no. been a real... It's been one of them seasons for Celtic and one of them seasons for Rangers. I think the big thing for Eddie will be, can he get you guys competing in Europe again? Can he Can he get you, you know... You're not going to go and win the Champions League, but can he go and look... There's progress in Europe, you know, and things like that. And that'll be interesting. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, you'll be you'll be competing again, definitely. And I think you'll, you'll get the title back. You'll definitely get the title back. I'll be putting money on that. <laughs> and that's... That's an opportunity for him as well because mm. if he does do as we describe here and prove himself in Europe, then one of these big clubs might come calling. Look at Brendan Rodgers. He didn't really achieve anything in Europe per se with Celtic, but his next job was Leicester, who aren't one of the you know, traditional big guns, but they're a good club to get to. So if, for example, Everton, I know Eddie Howe's a big Everton fan. I think he was a fan as a kid with Everton. If he does well in Scotland and he maybe treating this as a stepping stone or as an opportunity to get himself out there. Our position on this, or or even my position on this, has always been that's okay because if he gets a big move to the back to the Premier League, it's because he's done really well for Celtic and everyone wins. So I'm totally fine with that. We've always been kind of pragmatic. We've always been kind of understanding of that. That's always yeah. been the dream that Celtic sell to players. So why not for coaches as well? So everyone wins out of that. So it's probably so, an opportunity yeah. for him to do that as well. And he'll know that. Yeah, I agree. But what what I will say is that I think that a lot of there'll be a lot of managers. Brendan Rodgers might have been the same that they are kind of using it and thinking if I do all right here, I could get another job. I yeah. don't see Eddie Howe as that type of person. It could end up happening. But I, as I said there, he could have got. I reckon if he stuck around, he probably would have been offered the Palace job. I think he could have got. As I said, he looked like he was approached for Sheffield United. Mm. Could have the squad Bournemouth had. We could have easily bounced back into the Premier League, and we still might. So. He still had opportunities, in my opinion, to wait around and get a Premier League job. I think, as I said, I think he loves a, he loves a project and something he could get stuck into. And I think he's just looking at it as this. Is a, I mean, it's a massive football club. It's a really good project. I think with a few few things we can we can go back to being you know the top boys in in Scotland, which we are anyway. And it would just be you know, can I if I could take them to the next level in Europe? I'm going to be you know really looked at. It. It's really exciting. So I think that should be looked as a positive from Celtic fans. This this is a guy that's going to be, he will buy into whatever the project is. So um, he won't be, if it happens, it happens. But he certainly is not the type of manager that will be looking uh, looking at it as kind of just a springboard to try and get back. Because if he waited, he could have been in the Premier League. And on that, Tom, I just want to say thanks very much. That was brilliant. Um, uh, we, we, I mean, it's fair to say we're really excited about the appointment of Eddie Howe. Yeah. Eddie Howe, I, I'm surprised we've got him. I've said on our podcast that I don't see Eddie Howe happening. I've said flat out to the people that listen to our podcast, forget Eddie Howe. He's not coming. He's not. He, he'll get a job down south and forget about him coming to Celtic. So Eddie Howe represents for Celtic at the moment maybe the best possible available appointment. 
Yeah, that, that's that's what Eddie Howe is. So we're really excited, and it was really good to get you on to give us a, a Bournemouth fans' perspective of Eddie Howe. So I just want to say thanks very much, mate. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no, really appreciate you having me on. And if he goes, I will be getting a Celtic shirt. That's how much we love. Yeah. Him. <laughs> and if people want to find out more about Bournemouth or Eddie Howe from your guys' perspective, where can they find you? It's back of the net. We're on uh, on YouTube and Spotify and all them them platforms. Um, I'm at Tom Jordan twenty one, and we're at Back of the Net FCB Podcast on Twitter and all them delightful things. So um, yeah, and we'll probably when it gets announced, we'll probably do a do a nice little video and probably tag you guys in it as well, just to let you know because we'll probably have a have a chat about it. But honestly, if you went on it and look back at the day Eddie Howe left, there's just people. We just we done like a thing where we just got fans to kind of just come on and just have their instant reaction. Everyone's in bits. We literally—it looks like we're boarding. It's unbelievable. Everyone, I was, honestly, it felt like the worst day ever. Um, we all knew it was going to happen, but yeah, that's—you'll never find a football club that thinks so much of of one man. And um, the position Celtic are in, listen, they're they're in a blip in terms of Rangers getting the league back. But he's the perfect man for what Celtic need, in my opinion. So um, mm. yeah, I think you should be excited, and uh, I think. It's a great job for him as well because Celtic are a massive football club. So, uh, yeah, it'll be really exciting. Um, him and Gerard, that'd be that'd be really exciting. Jamie, we've got a Bournemouth fan on here and I think he's said more positive things about Celtic than we have in the last six months. I has, that's, I, that's quite remarkable. I, I, I suppose <laughs> it's most, hard for you guys this season, yeah. <laughs> this is the most positive Celtic podcast we've, we're going to put out in months. OK, thank you very much. Cheers, Stephen. Thanks for joining us as well. Yeah, yeah, thanks a lot, Tom. That thanks was, for joining us, Stephen, on your own podcast. <laughs> yeah, a pleasure, I, I, as always. Yeah, thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.